Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Done! Monkey tennis? Little fierce, my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical, awesome, mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, friends, and welcome again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Anyone who doesn't learn from the past is doomed to repeat it, from people who vote Labour to men that dye their own hair. Nick Holder. I've got AIDS! <laughs> and Tom Stab. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost him. We've already lost him. It's a quality show, I can assure you of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, we're back again uh, discussing once again that quality show uh, vis-a-vis the following, it's Stratagem. Um a couple of housekeeping notes at the top of the episode. Uh, obviously, Stratagem is now streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you're listening to this, I would go back and watch that first. Uh, but otherwise, this is going to be spoiler heavy. Um, and also, today's episode is not going to go through Stratagem in painstaking detail. We already did that, having seen it live at the O2. Um, but we are going to revisit it and uh, look at 
things we might have missed, whether our opinions have changed um, and other tidbits that we picked up along the way. Uh, if you've ever watched a crime drama where somebody's run over and then they reverse over them to make sure that the deed is done, it's very much in a similar vein to that. So are we basically we're reversing over a corpse this week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> according to the reviews, yes, we sort stop, of are. Stop, stop, he's already dead, etc. Um, so... Right at the top of the show, oh, well, those of you that listened to our stratagem episode will know that three quarters of us saw it live at the O2. One of us selfishly took time out to uh, procreate, uh, but he's back now he wasn't with shacking. his opinion. <laughs> Hang on, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, that bit had happened nine months previously. Any, anyway, it, it doesn't, we don't, don't need to get bogged down in all that. No. That's fine. So, uh, Tom Dark, have, now having joined us in the stratagem wagon, uh, what did you make of it? All right, well, look, I, I think probably the best way to do this, if I'll kind of go through the notes I've made of uh, the good bits, the particularly bad bits and anything else of note, and I think, you know, chip in with uh, what, you, what you guys think in, in terms of the comparison of having now seen it live and seen it on streaming. Fine to join in. Guys, I'm going to be honest, and I don't, I don't want to spoil too much of my overall review, but it's not going to be good. Uh, well, at the opening, obviously, you've got a pre-filmed uh, VT sequence, which I assume wasn't at the on the screens at the O2 or anything, I, I, I'm assuming there. You would assume correctly, yeah. This wasn't shown um, in the arena at all. It didn't feature in the show. Um, when I clicked play on Amazon Prime, um, which, you know, obviously we all did, this is the first thing that we saw and it was brand new. So I was like, oh, actually, I'm quite... Ex- well, excited, engaged, like there was some new partridge to consume. Now, obviously, this was done on the same shoot day um, or or shoot session as the Oast House Series 2 uh, promo content because Alan is dressed the same, sort of in his, his white sort of stylish garb, um, Arabian scarf sort of thing and, and a beard as well. Um, and he says that he's got the beard because he's just returned from a fact-finding mission on different cultures and belief systems. Yeah, which is surely teeing up the next TV project and possibly the reason back in the day Steve didn't want his driving ban um, is that this sort of <laughs> travelogue, <laughs> travelogue idea. I wonder if this is this is them subtly sowing the seed for something that is going to become reality. And I also wondered when if this does become reality, I wonder if it'll end up on Amazon or the BBC. Well, that was my thought, that probably it would be Amazon if they're doing promo time on his audible slash amazon time and obviously this is kind of quite speculative as a promo in terms of what that will look like i would assume that the next iteration of alan could be on amazon especially as this promo is on uh, sorry stratagem is on amazon Mm. and the audible relationship so who knows he's been on all the platforms now what we're saying is he's drenched in amazon cash until he's squelchy (laughs) Also, thought it was interesting that uh, the the, uh, the different cultures and belief systems he he's travelled around to uh, discover them, but he's mainly gone to tax havens and countries that end in Stan, um, <laughs> causing him to very nearly s- slip up when he's pronouncing Pakistan as well. I mean, I, it's interesting actually because so we've got I mean, what how long is that bit like a minute, not even two minutes probably, and then we've got the handful of uh, photos from that shoot day that we used around Oast House as well. I wonder if there's anything else from this day or this session that is yet to be seen because there isn't very there hasn't been very much out there from it. If you compare the amount of photos that were avail that were available around Ace House Series One, and also things like yeah, why has he got a beard when he doesn't have a beard in the Stratagem Live Show, like all those sort of things, you go. There are specific choices made there, and does it actually mean any more? Does it hold any more significance, or it was literally like? that's just what they're going to do it it just seems weird because i think you know he's in some very specific locations but 
they haven't made much of it. So whether there's there is more and whether there's you know whether that was a preliminary day filming for whatever the next project is, it'd be interesting to see if we do see more from that setup. But um, yeah, I I, th- I thought this opening bit, it, I thought this boded quite well to begin with. Um, there's some nice notable bits in here as well. Obviously, uh, as as Tom Stubbs done in the intro, he says it's a quality show. I can assure you of that directly after telling us it's yet to be written. Um, yeah. So that's a nice touch. Um, and he obviously is uh, no. Steve obviously knows the recording at the O2, but Alan says I don't I don't know the venue, don't know the name. Just hope it's not the O2. It's just a massive tent. Should have been taken down twenty years ago. <laughs> and obviously, the right the writers are very much poking fun at themselves here because. I think famously, like we, well, not famously, but we've talked about this before that, you know, they essentially, it feels like they put stratagem, they put the stratagem tour on sale without knowing what it was going to be. So that that's very much what they're referencing within this, uh, this VT, because obviously by the time this VT was filmed, stratagem did exist, well, at least to some degree of writing at the very least. Um, so yeah, should we get into the, the, the thick of the actual O2 show in that case coming up next? Yeah, well, let's dive into the opening song. I thought the opening song was pretty awful and not very funny. Um, the jokes about, particularly the, the latter part, so it's kind of like a medley he opens with, isn't it? Built this city, welcome to the show, where's Alan Partridge? And there's also like a rap segment. I particularly thought the jokes about rap feel a bit like they should be left in the 90s. You know, Alan doing what's up, G, some homies been dissing my bitch back in like 1998 was funny when I was 16, but now it just feels a bit like have we not moved on like hip-hop as a source of comedy feels a bit off the mark um and also half of the rap bit was him reading an argos listing of a watch um i also made a note that in this kind of song intro the echo around the o2 was audibly noticeable uh, which made me feel a bit sad because it sounded so empty and i i did think Surely, uh, you know, with other comedy shows at the O2, you must be able to do something about the Echo. And actually, I did find some Michael McIntyre O2 footage, and the Echo is there. But there's also pretty much constant laughter throughout, so you can't detect it as much. So maybe that's the difference there. Uh, a couple of things just from re-watching this on the intro. Um, I wish they'd done more with the Dr. Alan Gordon Partridge thing. I wish that had been like referenced later on in the show or maybe it'll come in in a future project because uh that does kind of grab you by the jaffers when that that intro happens and then the other thing was that <clears throat> i was kind of nervous about how this show would go and nervous on rewatching it when i was rewatching it where the opening is basically four songs in a row the we built mm. this city parody uh welcome to the show um the hamilton parody uh, the rap, uh, as Tom sort of described, but also I do wonder if the Hamilton parody kind of went over a lot of people's heads and they didn't really understand that either. It was kind of, it was kind of a bit of an odd choice, maybe I don't know. But uh, Tom, you you haven't seen Hamilton, Nick? You have? No, I, I you know what? Oh, I, you I have. have. I've okay. I've seen Hamilton on Disney Plus or whatever, and right. do you know what? I didn't even clock that that was supposed to be a Hamilton parody. Yeah, it wouldn't have occurred so to me. That tells you something. It's one of those things I think's fallen through the gaps in that they thought, you know, Hamilton is a huge thing. A lot of people have seen it. It's a safe, it's a safe route for parody, but it wasn't specific enough to Hamilton for people to go, that's a Hamilton parody. They, I yeah. think a lot of people probably just thought oh, it's like a weird generic kind of rap parody uh, without really making that connection. 
Um, did you did you pick up on that in the time, Tom? Because you're a big Hamilton fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I did, you... I did. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. Um, one other thing, not to not to skip ahead too much, but just when we're talking about you know him pretending to be a, you know a rap artist and that that would belong you in the nineties. I think you see that again in the um, in the finale, right at the very end, when he's basically, basically a load of stuff around proportional representation and lots of like jokes about Lib Dems getting in, which to me felt like jokes that are you know safely a decade old. Um, it's obviously funny he's doing it at the same time is trying to perform a track from Greece and lift a woman in the air but the, the joke itself felt like it was sort of a, from a bit of a bygone era I think we'll perhaps perhaps uh, discuss that in a bit more length towards the end but I think you're right about the Lib Dem reference being dated but I did I did quite like the switch in tone for the character at that point but anyway that's towards the end so we'll, so we'll come back to that I think um, should we move on to Basically, Alan starts to present stratagem, uh, new ways of thinking in a post-COVID world. Um, so this opens with essentially a kind of Apple iPod advert ripoff. I just thought, yeah, it works in terms of like, you know what he's doing. But isn't that joke about 15 years too late? Well, what what I will say to the defence of that is that the music is different on the streamed version than what it was in the arena. Um, and I think ah. every time that joke was used that visual joke was used it did get a quite a good reaction from the audience there were quite a lot of laughs and it did so the um the the original music was a sean paul song and i guess as we know from later on in the um in the show clearing rights and uh, it's quite yeah. an expensive business so maybe they weren't able to secure sean paul and i just assumed that they'd used some like stock um, audio, but apparently it is an actual song. It's called Do Goo Man or Do Go Man or something like that. And it's by Kelton Wade and Jason Leggett and it has 135,000 streams on Spotify. So probably a lot cheaper than Sean Paul. So do you think, did that gag work in the room because just the different music choice made it funny? I think so, yeah. I think it, it, it did get a laugh pretty much every single time. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure when, when we did the, when I, when we did the initial um, feedback on it, I remember saying that was one of the funnier things in the show. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I found it funny and I think music probably plays a part of it. And yeah, it, it is dated, but I think that's sort of the point that it's a reference point that's so old, but he's used it in a, in a kind of a, a way that's supposed to be kind of cool. And it's like, it's 15 years old. An iPod isn't even a thing anymore. Yeah, this is the tricky thing, isn't it? Is that a lot of these things, the kind of the Nick Clegg reference, the rap parody, the the iPod like stuff, you could argue that in real life, that's very dated reference. You could also argue it's the sort of dated reference that Alan would think was current, but I'm still not sure that's enough to drag it into the realm of being, you know, worth putting in this show. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I don't think that, I don't think that gives, gives the writers a pass personally. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I was thinking about that a lot. A lot of the stuff which I think didn't really work or land for that well, I, I think, yeah, there's always a conceit where you can go, yes, but Alan would think this or Alan would do that. But I'm just, you know, when you're doing a big show like this, I just think it's got to be tighter than that. You don't have to sit there and twist ways to make it make sense, basically. I think one thing that you can really notice at the beginning of the show versus the end of the show is that I think this section, basically for the first maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, let's be generous and say 20 minutes, um, a lot of the jokes do land with the audience and there is quite a lot of 
there is loud laughing and appreciation for the get like the the sponsor joke lands i think the first time it's used um and it and it was funny in the room and also the 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 swears rolling over to glasgow also uh gets quite a big laugh and that was (laughs) that that i mean i think like in the defense of this show i think the first 20 25 minutes until he gets it i've got a note as to when it actually tips over into start starting to go downhill i think the opening section of this basically up until the travel back through time is solid if not actually good i think i'd broadly agree with that i mean i did really enjoy the better 365 uh and piano ferries piano ferries as a sponsor great gag and just like you know that just you know just that in itself works and i thought the lose a house or win a bigger one was quite a good yeah. line um yeah so that that's all right but you know it's just other things going on in the, in the mix here when you go yeah you're making jokes about how white and middle-aged the audience white and male and middle-aged audiences and it's like it's just all a bit too on the nose because then you've got some of the opening stratagem gambits are about helping empowering a woman and helping a black man feel empowered which or just I don't know. That all felt a little bit icky and a bit a bit too on the nose, maybe. Also, the fact you can see quite a few empty seats. Some people in the audience looking a bit confused and not necessarily loving it. And this is all within like, the first like thirteen minutes. Oh, I didn't spot the um, empty seats when I was. I, I, I didn't yeah, see I mean, that. They're, they're, yeah. it's not like there's a whole bank of empty seats, but I think just knowing, as I did watching this, that it wasn't fully sold out, and that particularly hearing from you guys and other people that went, that there were visibly lots of empty seats. Also, the other thing this. This this may not be from one show. This might be they recorded all of the O2s and it's sort of spliced together. There's different nights because quite often bands and even comedians do do that. They film multiple nights and then they can pick yeah, the best sections and kind of splice them together. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I'm sure we we had some intel about them recording one of the nights, but I, yeah, I, I don't know whether it was multiple. Um, and then yeah, just just to finish this bit before we get onto the kind of time travel. Letter from the past section. Um, my f- to, to be honest, and it was a bit route one, but my first actual laugh was about the fake vagina nearly missed my flight gag. I mean, it was obvious where it was going, but it was a bit of a release of like the punchline landed. And I think that worked well with the crowd as well. Um, but then you have this bit when Alan goes out into the crowd, uh, like using the phone as a camera. And like one of the big punch or like the big punchline to that was like, the man has a face that says classic FM. I was like, mm. that was just that was rubbish. Like it just didn't go anywhere. It's not and even, the yeah, payoff it's not was really a joke. rubbish. Mm. Um, I did like the when you get the iPod silhouette dance returned and you've got him grabbing his knee. That did make me laugh because uh, again, that's like you could quite easily miss that as well. Um, and I thought it was interesting. There are a few like getting Lynn uh, on on the screen, uh, going in the biscuit cupboard. So a couple of callbacks to. Uh, Knowing me, knowing you all, I thought so. Lynn is, uh, I think, looking for boasters, and also he talks mm. about uh, his home being vulnerable to burglary. Well, we know that as basically he's been a victim of that because people have known he's been on live TV. So I thought, you know, there's some nice callbacks to Partridge in the '90s there. But uh, yeah, by this point we're we're approaching 23 minutes in, and I'm not loving it. I've got to be honest. Um, in terms of crowd reaction as well, I mean, there are a couple of, of, of really good sort of roars, but it felt to me in the room that the reaction wasn't very strong. Um, you know, it was sort of, it was murmured laughter rather than roaring laughter. Mm. And mm. I feel like 
those of us that have worked in the music industry know that often a band will record a live album and then it will get touched up and you'll add in crowd reaction and you know like when you go and see uh, panel shows being recorded they get you to do big cheer at the start which they can pipe in to you know when moments in the actual show don't really land i felt like this could have used some of that like they could have taken they should have (laughs) taken some some big crowd reactions and peppered them throughout the show because i feel like if you weren't at the show and you were watching this i don't think you'd feel like you were you were you know witnessing a show that the people there were loving i think you 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 know if you think about how long he's been away from the live arena he jumped he bursts out at the start of the show and shouts aha and the, the crowd are not going crazy. Like, they're just sort of, you know, great. It started. Not like I've been waiting for this moment for 10 years or whatever, you know. I just, I felt like the crowd response was quite muted. And that's because the show's not that good. Um, so and they should had... have piped in some, some of the laughter from Michael McIntyre at the AT. I think they, I think they, could, they could have given a better impression to, to the people who were watching it for the first time at home that this was a home run by, by just amping up some of that crowd yeah. noise. If we think about when the last when these three live shows have happened that Steve's done. Um, the first one was 97, am I right? No, uh, 92 or 94. I can't 94. Remember off the top of my head. So, okay, so it's, it's, it's arguably when he's won BAFTAs, um, he's presented at the Brit Awards, arguably this is the hottest comedy, hottest thing in comedy right now. So the crowd are going to be like, really super amped and pumped for it then you've got um other less successful characters where there hadn't been any alan for a long long time and so people would have been excited for what was essentially a comeback and this time (laughs) pun intended um (laughs) this time we've had loads of partridge in the last what since 2013 last 10 years let's say last 10 12 years so there is a bit of a less of a kind of anticipation for this, probably reflected in ticket sales, less anticipation for Alan. So maybe the crowd is just going to be a little bit more muted because we have had such an influx of new Alan over the last 10 to 12 years. Um, just to go back to the, the Lynn section, because I know we're talking about her being in. I really noticed rewatching this on streaming how badly her side of the dialogue and yeah. Alan's side of the dialogue line up. It yeah. really feels like he finishes his line and then somewhere somebody presses a button and then a second later you hear Lynn's line it doesn't feel like they're having a fluid conversation and like yeah. they they could have got that right because later when he's t- doing the, the piece of Martin Brennan that works a lot better and that feels like a real conversation mm. but this yeah. to me felt very much like Steve's in the room and Felicity is on tape you know it, it didn't mm. feel like it was a real conversation happening in real time and I think that's a real shame um, should we move on to Letter from the Past? If we have I to. Mean, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think this bit starts about, this is about 23 minutes in here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with what Stab's saying. This is where it really starts to take a dive. And remember, I'm saying, <laughs> I've already not been loving it anyway. I didn't even like the opening song, and I think perhaps others have enjoyed that a bit more. Uh, I mean, I liked the, the setup with this when he's talking about things like uh, living with children who love you dearly that's quite a good little gag everybody that knows the character well knows that's not the case knows that but then just going back to school like and having the girl playing him just i just didn't think anything of this was very funny just no. i didn't feel like there was much of a payoff 
and then to go to Norwich in 2065. I mean, I hated this bit, to be honest with you. One thing I did spot, though, and whether you guys would have noticed this in the live show, uh, you know when like the you've got the time machine effect on the screen, you've got the newspapers going past, and there are a few gags about Prince Andrew, so you've got a rise King Andrew and some other stuff. Right. So I thought nice. a bit of fun with subtle gags like that, but again, not enough to carry yeah. it. And I also thought one of the biggest laugh reactions of the night, and probably in the show so far, aside from Lynn at this point, is when he says they pedestrianised it all. So, you know, the big laughs like are coming. I did quite like that. Yeah, I mean, and it, it wasn't bad, but I, I think the, the, the it's just, it's a shame that the biggest gags we're getting are all about recognition of stuff from 1997. Yeah. I again, feel like, you is... know, and... and that's an inherent problem with doing a show at the O2 Arena. Yeah. You're going to have people that have only watched Iron Man and Partridge. Yeah, I mean, there was one point that I picked up on the second watching of, 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 of it on streaming was that they cut to the crowd and there are maybe three people visibly wearing Linton Travels having j- T-shirts or jumpers or something yeah. like that. So it is... It's the it's the and I think we spoke about this in the in the first episode on this is that when you get to arena level comedy it is very this this is a difficult show for them to write basically because they don't 100%. know whether to agreed like it, it it is a challenge but I think it is and, and I guess this is a wider point of, about arena comedy is that it is super broad and that our our preference would be to watch this in a much smaller venue and keep it sort of. Um, what what's the best word? So, just make it less broad and just make it more up to date. Yeah, make it more up to date with what Alan's been up to recently for for people who are super fans and not super fans, but you know you know what I mean. It's it, it, it's a real challenge, and I think they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I don't think they really worked out what they wanted the show to be and who they wanted it to be for. I a hundred percent agree, and I think it's it, it's really apparent what kind of scattergun approach they've had, and I think. One thing I the, the one thing I was impressed by watching this back is that I think the total number of gags across the whole show is much higher than I remember from seeing it live. But it's so badly paced and some of them are so broad and some of them are so niche, they feel like they're parts of a separate show. Um, and I think you have long sections like the time travel where there's barely anything. And then you've got bits where it's going, you know, some of the songs and things, it's going past so fast that they're not giving it enough time to land each time as well. So it just feels a, a bit all over the shop. It's almost a bit like they shouldn't have put an arena tour on sale until they'd written it and figured out what it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's the Bainham method, isn't it, basically? <laughs> it's right, yeah. it, right <laughs> in the back of the car on the night. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the, historically, this this is what happens in the APU. Like, pretty much every bit of poetry we know about, there's always been some kind of writing down to the wire, particularly from... I guess from I'm Alan Partridge series two onwards, but I mean I think particularly talking about things feeling like they're part of a different show, this time travel bit, particularly the time travel bit in the future, yeah, like just what what is this? Like it is like some like fever dream and not and not in a any kind of good way. Just yeah, I mean look the... to quote Simon Cowell and X Factor, crazy bad. <laughs> like I honestly just I was watching this in disbelief. Like, so. The worst bit what? for me, the bit where I completely lose all hope for this section, is when they go, "Oh, Alan, my, I, haven't, that, I haven't used that name for decades. My name is now Five. It's like, could you not a thought of a funnier punchline or gag for what Alan goes by now? Like that, that felt really yeah. lazy Rubbish. and 
just like no care or attention or thought had gone into that. Uh, five, come on, guys, we're better than this. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I think another thing, another reason why I really hated this section is because it just, it really took me out of... <laughs> and another I'm, thing. Uh, I'm pulling my punches in. Um, it, it just kind of took me out of, like, Alan World, out of the APU. Now, obviously, I know the whole thing. The conceit here within the stratagem show is this is him talking about kind of the medium of theatre and how you can kind of do it, go anywhere and do anything using theatre to illustrate that. But this was just so far removed from anything that kind of made sense or had any relation to i don't know just what we've seen alan do in the past because you know you've had similar things with something like other less successful characters when he does the historical play which i think we all agreed wasn't great but that felt like you know one that's alan using theater within a so that's a show within a show so he's done that sort of thing before but that made sense with the character that was kind of tied up with things that we know the character has interests in. This kind of thing, because it's a bit like, okay, so is this an imagined theatrical vision of the future, or are we now supposed to go with the with the fictional conceit that Alan has now gone to the future? Like, the, the whole thing was just a mess. And, uh, I mean, also just things like, again, an Intel Pentium processor advert being the joke, I mean, I think the Sonics of the joke worked because, again, it's basically the Whiskers advert joke again. But again, Intel Pentium Processor, another gag that's about 15 years old. And maybe you can make the argument that in term, in, in Alan's world, that's right, that he thinks this is an on-the-money topical reference. But just it just was not good. Um, two things on that, really. One um, is that I think the, the Pentium gag reminded me that much like him finding, you know, one of the women in the show attractive, much like this sort of like vaudeville musical review style show, a lot of it is just lifted from, you know, the previous show. And I think I said this on the yeah. main the main stratagem episode. It's just a bit of a case of okay, what's twenty twenty three's version of these five gags that we've done in all of our stand up shows? You know, this time let's make it Pentium. Last time it was Whiskers. This time it's you know the girl that you know the last time it was the, it was the other girl. You know, I just think. <laughs> that i'm what's, surprised what's the, med- what's the medley this time was another one it's yeah like exactly yeah, yeah. i'm surprised yeah i'm surprised at the lack of inventiveness yeah. um given how inventive they are elsewhere and i think the other thing for me is that i've said it before i'll say it again like a broken record live is not partridge's medium i don't think um and i think part Agreed. of it is because it's much easier i enjoy partridge much more when i believe that he's off somewhere that i you know not in my world i'm not in his world he's off somewhere doing something and i will see the fruits of that labor at some point when he's in front of me in an arena i think it's much harder to marry the idea that he is headlining a twenty thousand capacity arena with he is this sort of broken underdog that you know people mm. don't like and i think it's it's hard to reconcile those two ideas and i just i haven't ever really enjoyed partridge live whereas i've, I've frequently loved partridge output elsewhere yeah i definitely would agree with the kind of repetition and them kind of treading ground that they've uh, trod before i mean it felt like this could have come out in 96 basically and you wouldn't have known and it kind of feels like with covid and brexit and the world as it was and the gibbons that there was an opportunity to actually do something different and interesting and the trailer sort of gave a promise of something that that was quite interesting but 
I think mm. as as you just said, Adam, like this is what the third live show now, and they're all pretty disappointing. But it it didn't feel like it had moved on, and this really could have come out in the late nineties and and would have felt comfortable and as funny as it is in you know twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two, and this is obviously um, live, but. It's a shame that this hadn't progressed significantly, especially with the writing team, which have elevated the character to such a level. You know what? That's that's such a good point in terms of yeah, when when they first put the trailer out, there were it, they were very much going down the route of it was going to be something about a divided country and bringing people together. So obviously, kind of having a bit of a dig at Brexit divisions and stuff, and obviously that. I mean, was that ever even in an initial draft of the script? We'll, we'll never know. But it feels like maybe it wasn't and it was just a half-formed idea, which they never really got into a show level. Because also, I remember us talking about um, last year... There was a point, I think, probably around uh, Oast House Series 2, there was a conversation about, oh, Alan gets cancelled in real time in this show and it's been like well what happened to that either that also wasn't a thing i felt like there have been so many kind of threads we've been given where you've kind of gone oh i could picture that and see how that could be good and how that could work and particularly it ties in with something in this time or something in oast house and none of that has materialized but i know the gibbons have always got the 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 fail safe where they've kind of said if fans can think of us doing it we don't want to do it but i mean <laughs> I don't think any fans would have written this show with good reason. (laughs) And it's that, like, I wonder if when they were going through the writing process, when they pitched uh, Stratagem and then they were obviously developing the script, I wonder if there's any point where they said it out loud or just thought it, where they're like, this is basically, you know, Lilm, that lessons in life management. Like, we have done this before in most of, you know, uh, uh, Alan's live shows. That There's this kind of, like transformational business thing you know that's been the through line of all of his shows and so we're going to do that again only this time there's nothing new or original about it and it's exactly the same and they're like yep great <laughs> that's lunch but the, but, that, that, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing it's like because yeah, yeah you've got um lilm you've got forward solutions obviously stratagem very clearly was deliberately a continuation of that type of life improvement idea but yeah if they'd have gone into it and made it uh, a much more topical piece, which Alan's never really done before. It would have, it would have felt like a very different kind of piece. But they they didn't do that. Again, this has just a kind of like this variety show feel to it that all of the other Coogan live shows have had. Um, uh, I did enjoy the yeah, one, the yeah. one the one gag in this section that section that I did enjoy was that um, <laughs> about the Go Compare Man being beaten to death in twenty forty four. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Uh, should we move on very quickly to Jeanette Jackson before we get on to the next song? Um, so Jeanette Jackson, played by Emma Siddy. Um, I did quite like the line when, when they talk about people from Wigan in tonight, and he says, what, with tickets? <laughs> um, just the way he, that, that was as a response, I thought was quite good. And there's a, a knee-cracking gag here, which I yeah. thought was really well done. That was very funny. I think that got a big laugh, if I remember as well. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, him just having a kind of a bit of a face of her, the one-upmanship, like... We've seen that play out so many times. And again, just the gags just didn't seem great. And then this is followed up by the laughter of love. And look, uh, <laughs> my first line in my notes is, this is shite. There's nothing funny about it. Like, 
to me, this song feels like it wasn't even good enough for Tony Farino. It just like it, it goes nowhere. The jokes are like so bad. Like but, lots of Route One puns, and but that like chorus, that. that chorus, they told us the sound of the summer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 also, I feel like there was a, there's an open goal here. Why not call that character Katrina instead of Virginia? Like just just to help tie it together more with other things in the APU more than anything else. Have you seen her? Because then anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's at the O2 that has listened to Ace House is like, oh great, I know who that is. I know what the what what's going on here. Doesn't matter if that goes over the heads of ninety ninety uh, percent of the people there, but it would just kind of make it feel a bit more intertextual, which I think is a shame. Like, who's Virginia? Never heard of her before, and it's not funny. <laughs> the only thing I can think that they wouldn't have been able to do call it Katrina is that it wouldn't have been believable to Ace House listeners that she died because obviously the initial conceit is that she's died and you only find out later that she's just dead to Alan. Um, but still, yeah, probably. Yeah. St- you know, I still think the benefits of of making it Katrina probably would have outweighed that drawback. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on uh, because I've, I have been giving this show a bit of a kicking uh, so far. Let's be honest. Uh, so moving on now to the interval. Um, I thought this was a real highlight. Photos of a dog on a big screen. What's not to enjoy? So the interval, lots of pictures of Seldom. I thought this was a great, so chalk that one up as a highlight. And uh, bearing that in mind, uh, I think we're going to take a short interval now. We'll be back with part two of this strategy review in a moment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, producer Jed here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If not, don't worry. At the end of the episode, I'll drop in my one minute review. Now back to the boys. Thanks, Jed. 
Uh, okay, guys, part two then. Shall I? Shall I continue my uh, my loving review? <laughs> Go on. Uh, all right, so Alan disguised as a chair. I mean, I remember listening to you guys talking about this uh, from the live show. It's quite astounding he actually did this because I don't know the reality of how long he would have been in that chair for. But <laughs> my question is, was it worth it? Well, I, again, again, interestingly, is it I, funny? I think this gag does not land on the streaming version of this, mm. but in the crowd right. on the night, it was really funny. Um, and the the audience reaction reflected that. But watching it back, I think you lose something. You lose something in the gag, the fact that you're watching it on screen and not in person. I think you get more from it as a visual gag with him, with you, ha- with with you having sat through an interval and gone through an interval, and then him coming and then him coming and delivering this gag. As I think you get more from it live than you do streaming. So do you think that's because you're aware that he's had to have been sat in this chair for 10, 15 minutes to kind of deliver that payoff? I think so, yeah. And have... also you've been yeah. waiting for it as well. There's a build-up, which is the interval itself. And I, I yes. don't know. I, 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 I don't yeah. know really what the psychology of it is, but I just remember that joke being very funny and landing with the audience in the room. But having watched it back, again, what didn't wasn't as funny. I definitely agree. I think part of it is down to the amount of time you know he must have been sat there. I also think on the streaming and live, I really enjoyed the sort of multiple misdirections of fake Allens. You know, am I over here? Is this a pair of shoes? No, it's just a mannequin. Is this me? No, clearly not because he's doing acrobatics. Like that that bit I thought was a really nice build. But at the end of it, you're sort of like, it's really funny that he was a chair, but why was he just a chair? What, what was that got to do with anything? Like they tied it back to stratagem in a very tenuous way, but it's kind of like... Yeah, could that have been a gag that made sense? Yeah, yeah. I think that you're 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 right. Like having been there, it was funny, but it's because the build up. And I think, frankly, you're in the room and you're kind of willing it to be good at this point. So you're like, I'll take what I can get. I'll go with <laughs> you it. You paid money it, for this. Yeah, you want yeah. it to be good. It's funny. It's that as well. Um, I I also think it is funny the first time. I think in reality, it's a kind of. Uh, one punch and done joke it's never going to hit as hard the second time when you know um because that is really about the rug pull and the reveal and once that's sort of been revealed it can never be that funny i think on, on repeat watches so i think there's a whole you know host of things going on there but the reality is it's not as funny when you watch that on streaming um but yeah it is what it is that's, that's a fair point if i didn't know that was coming maybe i would have found it funnier uh but i did and I didn't. <laughs> Great. Um, Adam, I have to say, like, I think you nailed it using the word tenuous in terms of, you know, his his explanation for this. I think that I think he says with stratagem, you can be whatever you want to be. And it's just like, yeah, so they've given themselves a bit of an out in the writing here where basically anything can happen. They can say that's stratagem. Yep, or or they can say, oh, you know, Alan's got such a bad grasp of his own concepts that he thinks this makes sense, but that's well, not that's yes. not good enough. That's not good enough. And I think that is the layer of the joke where they say this is why it makes sense in terms of the APU that Alan's got to an arena level show with a poorly executed idea, but it's kind of that idea eats itself when the show isn't funny enough in the first place. <laughs> like if it was just wall to wall hilarious gags, I think that level of oh, Alan doesn't know what he's doing would work but based on what i've seen so far 57 minutes in i'm going well this doesn't work on either level well bring us home with that last 23 (laughs) minutes which i'm sure (laughs) would have changed your mind (laughs) so yeah we're 57 minutes in we're returning to this idea of what is stratagem so he's got the letters up on the screen um he's talking through 
start, turn up, ready, attainment, take a look in the mirror, uh, allegory, going solo, eggs, 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 me 2.0. Obviously, I mean, I could see this coming. We're never going to get all the way through that list. Um, a little aside here, I thought the joke about the elephant man, which is common Steve Coogan territory, uh, ele- <laughs> elephant man references, um, but interestingly, uh, also going into Pretty Patel. So the elephant man is ugly on the outside, beautiful on the inside, with Pretty Patel, it's the other way around. I just thought that was an interesting, <laughs> interesting line. Um, but yeah, I just... I This whole thing about the conceit of what is stratagem, we're still trying to work it out. It's been like, by this point, by two-thirds of the show, that's a bit exhausting. Like, I just think, again, this life management, life coaching thing being poorly thought out and not actually having a proper purpose and conclusion, we've seen that with Lilm. And just generally with Alan talking about things like Forward Solutions. So, again, that just feels a bit worn and a bit done and just not great. I think um, it's it's a sh- yeah it's a shame that they sort of lent so heavily on things don't have to make sense because it's Alan. But this, uh, this list of sort of, you know, this, what's the word, acronym, um, I thought was probably the best thing about stratagem as a concept the idea that there are four or five steps that are just about turning up um at the beginning and that the idea that yeah immediately yeah. before you get to me 2.0 you have eggs 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 which is never <laughs> never explained um but i wondered if that's a, a yeah a seldom um a seldom influenced dietary tip uh basically eat loads of eggs be like so be more seldom um <laughs> But, now that's a good tagline. Be more seldom. Yeah, I did enjoy. I did enjoy the list. Um, partly because, yeah, as you say, you know, you're never going to get through it. A lot of it is funny because of the lack of explanation. Um, but it doesn't. That doesn't extend over an hour and twenty minutes of goodwill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's it's not good enough though um, to uh, to to justify the amount of time you've invested up to that point. I kind of also thought with eggs, eggs, eggs. It's funny if it is, as you've just said, a seldom, you know, dietary requirement, be more seldom. That is funny, but that's not explained. And so actually when I saw eggs, 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 I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. You've kind of given up on this and you don't care. Because if you're just saying eggs, 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 it's like, what? (laughs) You're never going to have to explain that. So you can just say eggs, eggs, eggs. Like, what? That's how it reads to me. That feels like lazy writing to me. It's it's almost a bit like whenever they've got a gap to fill uh, with like any kind of Alan project, it's like, oh, he likes eggs, so... He can have an egg sandwich, or he can write eggs, eggs. And I, yeah, I think that's lazy personally. But, but they've yeah. used they've used um, eggs in the APU, whether it's you know blitzing it in the lasagna, so many times blitzing it in the lasagna, or how you know he kind of cooks and then throws them in the bin, and and all of that stuff is really funny. Or when he leaves the voice message for his kids and he's like, "Let me talk to you about my favourite food. It's eggs." Yeah, that's all really really funny. <laughs> so eggs is like a really funny comedic device, you know, with seldom's diet. But when I saw it here, I was like, okay, well, I know that eggs is a thing in the APU, but that doesn't justify why you've used it here because it, yeah. it felt to me like they were just, it basically was filler. Yeah, it feels like at some point they've, the, I feel like at some point they've had a little, if Alan was a, an X, what X would he be? And and the food, if Alan was a food, he'd be egg because it's <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit queasy. It's a bit sort of, it's a little bit gross it's it's very mundane it's very everyday if alan was a food he'd be egg and i feel like that's why egg keeps coming up so much <laughs> okay well that's probably enough about eggs should we move on to lookalikes and martin brennan 
Yeah, please. I actually thought the uh, I actually thought the Afghan lookalike was very very funny. That, um, that I mean that got that definitely seems like that got a big laugh in the room as well. Actually, uh, watching watching this back, um, but again, just a bit of visual gag because he's pulling a bit yeah. of a stupid face. Yeah. Uh, I did also laugh at the Joan Bellaby, the uh, the butcher from Derby, particularly because he says we unwisely dated. <laughs> I did think that was quite funny. Um, <laughs> And you know, I, again, I think I think the Martin Brennan thing is a bit like you're going for like you're going for your greatest hits moments now because obviously merely the mention of his name got like a big cheer. So I understand why they've gone for that. It's very much going well. If we've got the 1997 I'm Alan Partridge references in, we can do Martin Brennan because that was a bit of a viral moment. So that makes sense. But does this actually bring much to the show? I don't really think it does. Like. I, the you know the the chat between Alan and Martin is fine and quite broad strokes kind of jokes about Irish families and stuff like that, like again fine but just not brilliant. The the song in particular, like when Martin starts playing, why does Alan become so overcome with emotion? Narratively, I didn't think that made any sense. Uh, it felt like the poetry into the music segment then going back and forth between Martin, Lizzie and Alan went on for ages and wasn't very funny. Like, oh, he's rubbish at playing a flute. Great. Um, bonus note, though, um, I think Steve Brown is in the band playing in the yeah, background. So, a.k.a. Glenn Ponder. Um, and yeah, th- this segment concludes with a Martin McGuinness gag. Again, not that great. Maybe if you're a little bit older, that has a bit more of a kind of cultural impact as a gag but then i think that just means it's a bit more dated or i I don't know just for me it's like that being the punchline to martin brennan being in the show was not worth it um but another bonus note though alan did in this section mention that he's a burton brand ambassador so it's good to know that he's still gone gold (laughs) i've got to say i think this is the point in the show where i disagree the most with you there okay yeah i I think i think I think Brennan is a highlight for a number of reasons. I think I agree it's a bit of a victory lap, but it's not so tired that they're leaning on, you know, 20 year old material. It's something that happened a couple of years <coughs> ago. Um, and I think I think it was funny on TV. I think this is funny still. I think they play a lot with, the you know, him not being able to use Zoom. The idea that he says he's a brand brand ambassador and then he, Martin <laughs> Brennan goes to his wife off screen. Do we know do we know a brand ambassador? Which I was really, really good. OK, that, um, that is good, actually. Yes, yeah, I'll, I, I'll give you that. I, I think yeah. it makes sense in terms of stratagem in that, like, this is the section of the show that is atonement. And he is dent. This is a genuine attempt at atonement. So, like, for, for once, stratagem makes sense for a few minutes. Um, I feel like this was where the audience all came together because whether you watched it in 97 or you watched it on this time, you can see why this is funny. You can see why this, you know, relates to stratagem. You can see that it's Steve Coogan uh, in both roles. I don't know. I, th- I thought I thought Brennan personally was one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. Show without, without many highlights. Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is where you could say I think the writing is probably its strongest as well. The sort of back and forth between how, you know, the gag that develops um, of him gradually inviting more and more people to, to dinner. Um, yeah. The way that yeah. that develops, I think the writing is really strong there. And it's and it's funny. And I there are just some characters that I think Alan bounces off very well. And there's lots of comedic potential. Uh, and Martin Brennan is one of them. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed I I. So I rewatched Stratagem 
stre streaming twice and live once, so three times now, and every time I've enjoyed the Martin Brennan bit. I, I, I wonder as well, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the strength of this show as it continues is about the kind of like the goodwill. So I wonder as well, because you'd been in the room and saw this live and it worked really well in the room, so whether you're inherently a bit more open to it by this point, whereas I've been sitting at home essentially not really enjoying any of this show at this point <laughs> to, to, to a large extent. So I've, I'm almost kind of running out of goodwill. However, to, to be fair, to be slightly less harsh, I think you're right that the first bit, the back and forth with him on Zoom with the family members and stuff, I think, yes, that works, like the rapport between the two characters, and also on a technical point of view, that works really well, unlike the phone calls of mm. Lynn, which feel, like we talked about, feel a bit stilted and a bit delayed. Like I think they, they have nailed it by that point, and actually... That's interesting, I though, think, isn't it? Because yeah, that's, that, that's arguably a more difficult section, the Martin Prenham yeah. bit, than what they did with Lynn, because there's less dialogue, it's it's less back and yeah, forth. Yeah. So, yeah. that, so really, totally. this is the bit that should have been worse, like, from a technical point of view, because it's arguably more complicated, whereas the Lynn one felt a lot more simple in comparison. Do you think it's as simple as, this is Steve Coogan, like, on both ends of the line? Like, he recorded the Brennan part, obviously, yeah. so he's he's interacting with himself, yeah. so his sense of timing works better than when he's playing off Felicity. Yeah, maybe. I think there's also, there's also a point, because this setup is through Zoom, so actually, if anything was a little bit off time... That works within the world yeah. of yeah. that works in the world of Zoom anyway. Yeah. So you're going to be perhaps a bit less critical of of how the the back and forth goes. But yeah, to to, to be to be fairer, that bit was good. I I think it's the music bit that lost me on this because I that yeah, I felt agree. like that went on for ages and just wasn't actually funny. Um, possibly my favourite gag of the whole show uh, came up after this, probably just because I was not expecting it. So Alan then talks about the last time he cried on stage was when he drilled through a thumbnail and uh, stemming the blood flow, he looked like he was doing a black power salute, uh, which made people uncomfortable. So he flattened his palm to a Nazi salute. That was fine. He was at an event being hosted by Kirsty Allsop. I genuinely laughed out loud at that because I just wasn't expecting it. And also, I thought that there's, was great. A lot, there's a lot of goodwill from us on uh, in relation to Kirsty Allsop-based gags because they're all very, very funny in Oast House. So they're they're fresh in the mind. Any any gags or barbs at Allsop, I think, are going to land quite well with us. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's just something like that. Like it just kind of that came it came out of nowhere, and I, I think. I don't think there are enough gags in this show that you can't see signposted. Mm. That's potentially a, a big part of it. So, you know, I was talking about the fake vagina nearly missed my flight. You can see where that, that was going, but it worked well enough. Something like <laughs> a Nazi salute and a Kirsty Allsop event wouldn't have been expecting that in the script at all. So, yeah, that was probably the bit that I enjoyed the most and it made me laugh out loud due to not expecting it. Um... But yeah, from the good to the bad, we then get a, a character that I've named Drunk Nina, um, who who's literally screaming with excitement to come up on stage. But then why is she that excited? Because as they talk, it's kind of revealed that she's not really his audience. She doesn't know who he is. So why would she be that excited? I just don't get is what they're trying to do with that. Although I did like... Is she not just meant? Is she not meant to be a sort of a type, you know, that like is is out? Oh, she's just out for a big night out. Yeah, yeah, but it... yeah, on a Hindu, you know, like has just had a load of Bacardi breezes and basically is excited about being up on stage in general. Yes, but again, I just 
there are surely better ways they could have done this. I, like, yes, you're totally right. She's supposed to be a type who is not Alan's type of audience. But I just think it, it just doesn't work. Um, like, you know, also, I mean, I like the bit when she calls them nozzle hairs and tells them <laughs> you need to get a strimmer. I thought that was good. Um, and, you know, we are, I mean, God knows what we're about an hour 15 minutes in she's still asking him what stratagem is um and i think we all are by this point um but you know this basically this is a really clunky plot device to get the reveal that virginia isn't actually dead mm. despite the song saying that she was now this just doesn't make sense why would this nina character have determined that from this song so a character who is supposed to be essentially drunk out of her mind <laughs> doesn't know who alan is why would she be paying that much attention to this and going, oh, actually, she's still alive and this is all about rekindling that? In-. Like, it just... So clunky. I, it just... I, there must have been so many other ways they could have done this and it felt like they're really trying to shoehorn this kind of... this quite abrupt turn in the narrative. Yeah. And it's like... To, I mean, there, there's a wider discussion which we don't probably have time for. Is like the narrative they try and shoehorn in here as well... Do they even need that? Like, I think if the if the stratagem idea had been developed into something that was a bit different, I don't think they'd have needed to try and create this narrative thread about Alan's kind of unrequited love because this only really becomes a thing now and we're about 10 minutes out from the end of the show. I just think it just it seems really messy to me. Yeah, and I think given, I mean, I certainly felt watching it live and watching it on Amazon that kind of whether they should, they shouldn't, and is the character good or not, I'm kind of clock watching at this point as well because I'm not massively, <laughs> I'm not massively invested. But I would agree this character is it's another odd creative choice where it, it's a strange decision because yeah, she might be out on a Hindu or maybe she's with a partner, but realistically that character doesn't really have any kind of a role as it's played on stage to to, to kind of she's literally there to make the plot go from a to b yeah but the other thing is it's that 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 that, um the point of the character is is played against the backdrop of a really really annoying person an annoying character and i think this is one of the things where obviously the character is annoying alan as well but I think the character is also annoying the audience because it's not funny. It's just annoying. So what you've now got is 20,000 people or 15,000 people who are just annoyed going into the fun of uh, the final part of your show. I The only bit I kind of liked was the idea of some real life tension that there's the possibility that somebody sees this show on the first date of the tour call someone that's going to see it a few days later and says there's going to be a bit when they ask for someone to come up from the audience and they've got a plan so if you hear this line run up first and see what happens <laughs> oh so actually there, there, there's mean, a question for you then because obviously in, in the the streaming i was going to call it dvd in the streaming version of this that transition happens pretty quickly about get someone up on stage she starts shrieking and is walking down the aisle like immediately in the way this is yeah. edited did they did they play that's that a bit yeah yes oh no 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 no, no that's yeah. exactly how uh, uh, no that's exactly how oh, it okay, happened live okay. and and for and i think for the reason i yes. just said if they left a hanging pause some idiot would have gone up first and ruined the whole show so God, they have yeah to have that's a really good point yeah immediately yeah. and i do like i did like the idea that that represents a bit of a bit of risk that you could only have live but 
you know, in, in reality, they've got a spotlight on her. Anyone else that stands up is not going to get. And that I think first. that probably explains as well because I I found like the issue, but she's she's at, she's shrieking from the yeah. moment she stands up, right? I found that a little bit disconcerting for like half a second the first time I watched this because because essentially Alan's still like mid sentence and somebody starts screaming in the audience. I was like, what the. Like, it, it becomes apparent what's happening within about a second, but you've got that split-second moment where it's like, what's going on? Um, so, yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. I think, right, they they have to make that moment happen almost simultaneously to get in front of just a an actual member of the public. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, then, shall we move on to the closing medley and then perhaps a little conclusion? Um, I'm, I'm yes. actually quite happy that... Um it was too expensive to get all these songs for the medley because the medley was yeah. not good. <laughs> the medley was not good. So well, it was actually, I was, I was, I was almost dreading having to sit through that medley again. And the fact that it, I didn't have to was actually a massive yeah. bonus. I've got a lot of questions about the medley and why you don't get it um, on streaming. Cause I mean, obviously they, you know, they say it's rights issues. They couldn't afford it. I guess that probably is the truth. But I thought, if that's the case, if you're if you're writing an arena show and you can have a medley that isn't on a theme particularly, like you could pick any songs to be in that medley, why wouldn't you choose ones that you know you can clear for the streaming as well? Like, why would you risk having this whole bit cut out? So, are there genuine rights issues? Was it just added as a bit of an extra joke? You know, this so he can do this funny voiceover about you know that they all have to be having a laugh have to be um or was it deliberately to give people who went live something that nobody else gets so that you do feel a bit special for your 60 quid i just wasn't completely convinced that they couldn't have got the rights if they wanted mm. to it was almost like they chose I don't, not to yeah i think we don't know it's got to be one of the things that it, it's one of those three options that you've just kind of given and i would actually genuinely be curious to kind of understand my gut says that it can't be a musical rights issues because it's being performed as opposed to the the Sean Paul track, for example. I could imagine would have cost you know there's a there's a buyout or whatever it whatever it was. And actually, but I but I think it's different because because they're releasing it as a, as a commercial product. I think that changes the usage. So yeah, I'm, I'm... like it it's it's possible that the the songwriters could not grant permission for it or. Uh, demand such a uh, such a fee they go we can't afford to use this so we'll just cut it out um but uh, yeah i do find that surprising you think you know in the past we've had kate bush medleys queen medleys why do people um why would people like queen and kate bush be approving their use of music and not not do a state of george michael for a song yeah when, that's when, that that's the thing I when can't you're backed by amazon's squelchy cash as well <laughs> yeah yeah I, I wonder i wonder if they genuinely thought it was better for the pace of the show on streaming to not have the medley <laughs> yeah. and to have this voiceover with Wrap some jokes up. in it like there's a bit where yeah. he where he blames the artist directly including george michael so you know like he's blaming a dead man for not licensing his song um and the bit where he's like yeah you know he names all of the people who've refused him rights and he says they all, all of whom have to be having a laugh have to be <laughs> look at what netflix has done for kate bush that could have been you like <laughs> You know, those jokes yeah, are okay, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it's worth losing a medley to put them in. Well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen the medley though. It depends how bad the medley was. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was fine. You know, it was, it was all. I mean, I suppose they were backed slightly into a corner in that for an arena show, all the songs in the medley have to be like household yeah. name, yeah, hits. Don't um, they? Well, look, if you work in music licensing and you know uh, the truth behind this, uh, please get in touch and let us know. Uh, guy, I think that is. 
that is genuinely quite interesting there are a few options that it could be there's not just there isn't just a, a yes or a no to that so yeah that would be really interesting to know what the reality is there um i think you might appreciate then my first note on this closing medley uh, when Alan says, I fear the medley of 80s power ballads coming on, my first note was, please God, no. Yeah. Um, and, and also, once the, 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 the medley is done and it cuts to the, the back and forth with the woman he ends up lifting up, there's a bit where he goes, do you want me to finish the song? And <laughs> there's not much of a reaction from the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you see, that and that bit, I really like that bit, when he because he... You get this bit at the end where he, you basically get like some glimpses of like angry Alan because he says, "Oh, that's about a third of you, and that's enough to win a general election." The way he delivers that feels a bit off the cuff, and it suddenly that felt like a glimpse of the Alan we saw at the end of this time, and it's just like I think that could have had so much more legs for this show. The the Alan that was you know hopping mad in this time, that Alan kind of ha- having a bit more of an anger around him and maybe that those kind of character traits of like Alan on the edge, I think could have made this a much more exciting and dynamic show instead of Alan just doing like a load of random variety show stuff. Um, but again, it, it, it's, you know, whether it is that thing of the Gibbons and Steve just saying anything the fans can think of, we're not going to do because I think a lot of people were kind of speculating after the end of this time series too that Alan's stratagem show would be doing something that almost puts him into borderline right-wing GB News soapbox-type territory. And I think that could have worked. But, you know, I'm not the writer. I'm, I'm just a viewer. Because, um, you know, also things like I don't know what kilograms are. You know, you start to get some little kind of glimmers of Alan mm. having a slightly different energy to what we've seen throughout the other show and so this just to bring us this kind of brings us actually back to what we were talking about at the start like um the thing about he talks about pr uh so proportional representation coalitions and mandates and nick clegg i mean him mentioning nick clegg did make me laugh but that's just because it's nick clegg i think but yeah i just think you know there's a way that it could have been more alan focusing on those sort of topics to bring it to make it feel more current make it feel more now instead of gags about intel pentiums and things that look like ipod adverts um and it would have felt more consistent with the gibbons era of writing as well so i i'm i'm astonished that the show wasn't something more like that instead of what you've essentially got is an alan partridge show from 1999 very fair um, just to, to move on from the finale, just to briefly touch on the credits, uh, did everybody notice that we have a Gabitas in the credits? Yeah, that's a nice little Easter egg, isn't it? That's good. Yeah, he's, he's credited as a driver, isn't he, I think? <laughs> Crash bang wallet, what a driver. I wonder if we'll ever get to the bottom of the, uh, the Gabitas mystery. Okay, so look, I'll give you guys my kind of concluding thoughts on this, although I think it's pretty clear <laughs> what I thought of the whole thing, really. Um, yeah, like I say... The whole show feels really dated, like it's some kind of light entertainment variety show from the 90s. Uh, and in the same vein that watching those sort of older comedies now, they feel quite dated and bad and wrong. You know, like when we did uh, The Man Who Thinks He's It from 1998. I loved that at the time. I still kind of love it now because of the familiarity, but arguably you watch that in a 2022-2023 lens and you go, this hasn't dated very well. And I think this, the whole feel of this feels quite of a time and not not this time 
no pun intended. Um, I think it's a real shame that there's no cohesion or consistency with the wider APU, really. Um, like I say, I'm disappointed it didn't make much more of where we left the character at the end of this time, or even bringing more cohesion in with those house. Like I say, the love interest could have been Katrina, just some kind of niche Easter egg-y type things like that. Uh, the time travel segment I hated, uh, you know, and it just just didn't really fit with anything that we've seen from Alan in the past. Like, other bits in the show, even if they weren't great, you know, Lynn popping up, Alan doing medleys, like, we've seen Alan do medleys, like, everything else in the show still had some kind of Alan tangibility. The time travel segment, for me, just totally lost me. Um, and I also feel it's a shame that I felt like this show really lacked kind of the the delicate writing and the attention to detail that we've been able to enjoy from Steve and the Gibbons brothers for the last decade plus. Like this felt lazy and rushed. And I think ultimately I feel like they were overstretched trying to do an arena sized show. It's worth noting as well. This is the first time Steve Coogan's done a live show. That's all Alan. It's only been like 25, 30 minutes of Alan in previous shows. And as much as I understand there's an argument uh, about making it broader to appeal to an arena-sized crowd. <laughs> Ultimately, I would say, just because it's broad doesn't mean it has to be shit. So, <laughs> in summary, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. For me, and this is the bombshell, I think this is the worst piece of partridge we've ever had. Wow. Um, I th- yeah, I think that's all very valid. One thing that, that, that your summaries reminded me of is that probably with the exception of Alpha Papa, this is the longest stretch of continuous partridge we've ever had as well yeah i suppose you could count the audiobooks although they've broken mm. up into chapters yeah. but yeah you know it's 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 alan being alan for the longest time um so tom nick we obviously saw this live at the o2 now that you've seen it again on streaming has your opinion of it gone up gone down have you noticed anything you thought was particularly good that you missed it live or, or the other way around uh i'm happy to go first um i think overall my feeling would be that it's probably similar um but I didn't love it when we watched it live and, and maybe I was somewhat guilty of giving, you know, sort of willing it to be good because you paid a lot of money and you are in the arena watching it live and I think that that kind of adds a little bit of, of um, weight to some of the, the gags because you want it to be funny and you're sort of feeding off the energy in the room whereas when you're sat at home in your living room on your own watching it and there's no one around you and you're just concentrating on this, I think found it uh, a challenge to watch without opening twitter or you know checking the time to see surely 50 <laughs> minutes has gone no no it's been on for about 20 minutes um I, yeah i i i think for me i rewatch so or re-listen to so much alan so whether it's the um audiobooks whether it's this time like the gibbons era writing i will rewatch time and time and time again and i still rewatch it and I still listen to the books frequently I will never be going back to this for the foreseeable, basically. So that is the only kind of measure that I can use to sort of prove that I I really didn't get on with it. And I think something that you mentioned, Adam, but I think ultimately we all agree with is it doesn't work. He's done this now in three, is it three or four different live shows? None of them have been, none of them have been uh, 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 good as as far as I could see, or they're certainly the weakest. Um, I think it's an interesting question, is this the worst partridge and one I'd maybe need to ponder, but without a doubt, it's certainly one of the weakest uh, pieces of partridge, which I'm sad to say, but it's the truth. Yeah, I think I would broadly agree with what Nick's saying. I think, again, re-watching it and 
my memories from seeing it live were that the opening was strong. I thought this was going to be good. And then by the end of it, when I came out, I was like, was that actually good? I'm not sure a lot of that was actually very good. Um, but I still stand by that I really do like the opening um, sort of 20 minutes or so of it. Um, I, I, I completely agree with Nick. I think there's no value in going back to this whatsoever. Um, I might watch maybe the Martin Brennan section if someone clips it and puts it on YouTube because I just like Alan and Martin interacting with that character, but I wouldn't like purposefully go to Amazon Prime, open the show, start playing it, fast forward to that section. I just wouldn't bother, but I might rewatch it on YouTube. But um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where you, you are in a venue with other people and there's the kind of the communal experience of watching something with other people that I think does elevate it slightly from watching at home on the sofa. I... I sort of, I, I actually this is a good example. I recently rewatched Everything Everywhere all at once, and I watched that in a packed cinema, and it was an amazing viewing experience watching that in a packed cinema. Watching it at home on the telly, I think it lost a bit of that impact that it had watching it as as a group experience. And I think you maybe do get a little like maybe ten percent, fifteen percent more from watching something in a room with other people. Um, that you don't, you can't replicate at home. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think mine would, my, my view of this would probably go down slightly if we were looking at stars. I think it was maybe on the night I felt it was a seven, and now it's probably maybe a five or a six. Yeah, very fair. Um, I think my thing with the kind of collective experience is that. Everyone in that room, it was in the interests of everybody in that room, from Steve to the, you know, the bar staff to the people in the, in the seats, for it to be good. So why wasn't it good? Um, it's a double-edged sword seeing it with so many other people because, yeah, I think it can give you a bit of a false sense of willing it into being decent. But also, I think, if all of those people and their collective goodwill, if you, can't, if, if you can still tell it's not great, then it really isn't that great, is it? Um, one thing I noticed from, from watching the streaming that I will say in, in its defence is that there were more jokes that worked than I remember from seeing it live. But I think they were very kind of packed into little dense spots throughout a very long show. Um, and the, yeah, just so unevenly paced. I feel like the crowd seemed really flat. The subtle bits are too subtle. The broad bits are too broad. As we've said, the musical review style of it feels quite dated, um, even with the, the caveat that comes from Alan's mind. Um, I think a lot of stratagem might have worked in another context, but in an arena show, in the first set of arena shows for, what, 12 years, I think, the stakes are too high for it to fall flat. Um, and I don't think that you can use Alan putting together a chaotic show as an excuse for how flat a lot of stratagems ended up being. Okay, so look, just to make sure we've covered this fully, I think it's only fair we give our producer, Jed Shepard, uh, his opportunity for a one-minute review of Stratagem, just to make sure we've got everybody's views on record. So, Jed, over to you. Hello again, it's producer Jed here, back with my one-minute reviews. Right. I know a thing or two about horror, so I was suitably prepared for stratagem. I think it's safe to say that I'm with the boys on this. This is the worst partridge ever. It's worse than Alpha Papa, and that's the very bottom of the barrel. 
this is on par with the infamous monkey tennis at Comic-Con event. It feels incredibly dated, forced and unfortunately wildly unfunny. I don't think we can keep making excuses for the jokes and references being outdated just because Alan's outdated himself. That's been done to the point of exhaustion. This is just a misfire, thankfully a rare one. I can truthfully say that this is the first time I didn't enjoy Alan output. That's pretty good going for 30 years. I'm giving Stratagem one seldom out of 10. See you next time on Judd's One Minute Reviews. <laughs> Thanks, Jed. We completely agree, or don't, depending on what you <laughs> just said just then. Um, all right, so look, I, I think uh, I was kind of interested to to wrap this up with two points. So, you know, we haven't gone out on socials to ask for your thoughts on this uh, stratagem on Amazon Prime because uh, we've not had your, uh, the time to to put that question out there. But I think. Broadly, the feedback we'd had about the live show when you guys covered that on an episode previously felt like broad agreement, in essence. A lot of people saying they were willing it to be good, but in reality it actually wasn't that good. And I think it's very interesting. I think this speaks for a lot that we've got that kind of the evidence there. And also currently on Amazon, this has 36% of the reviews are one star. So I think, you know, this isn't just the diehard partridge fans that are finding this uh, somewhat lacking um so for me to wrap this up uh, i wanted to put a question out there to the listeners does anybody disagree with us that this is bad if you liked it please try and convince us that we're wrong tell us what was good about it um tell us what your favorite bits were and yeah essentially can you change our minds I think we'd like to be wrong, but tragically, yeah. we're not. We're right. Um, but please, please do get in touch with your opinions. We'd love to know what you thought of Stratagem, whether you were in the room watching it live or that you've picked it up on Amazon Prime. Um, it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, Twitter at thepartridgepod, Instagram at monkeytennispod, or you can leave a voice note on the Monkey Tennis hotline 07923 Don't have an opinion other than that we're great and you enjoy listening to us? Then throw us a couple of quid at ko-fi.com slash monkeytennis and that will be much appreciated and help us to bring you more Partridge analysis in the future. Uh, this is very much a one-off episode, not the start of a new series. Uh, you'll have noticed we've covered the vast majority of Partridge content that's out there, but there are rumblings of new Partridge on the horizon, so no doubt we'll be back to cover that in due course. Uh, but for now, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, thanks and goodbye. I mean, it was just crazy bad. Uh-huh. Mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dad! Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs>
Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.